Welcome to the Intercut Podcast channel, the weekly place to hear the latest on movies, TV, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I'm your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he doesn't think we're going to have enough hot dogs, it's Arturo Zarita. Hey, my boy was really the grill master. The first shot that you see of him, you're like, all right, this guy's got it down pat. Locking it down. Three minutes into the movie, you're like, run, boy, run. <laughs> yeah, man, uh, he he had the uh, dad game down pat, but uh, not sure that I, I like seeing that for a dude who's not much older than you and I are. Uh, but that is part for the course with this really interesting film from filmmaker Todd Haynes, who's previously made films such as Safe, Far From Home, and Carol. He's back with a juicy family drama that is dramatically compelling and disarmingly funny. May-December stars Natalie Portman, Julianne Moore, and Charles Melton in a very slippery film that's hard to describe in brief, but I will do my best. Moore and Melton play a couple whose relationship began when she was a married woman with children and he he was a middle schooler. However, a wave of tabloid headlines, a jail sentence, and two decades later, they are still together with one kid in college and a pair of twins set to leave for college soon. The film begins when Natalie Portman's character, an actress, arrives at the family's home in order to observe and research them for an upcoming film role in which she will play Julianne Moore's character at the time of the original scandal. It's a movie that happily splashes around in morally gray pools of water, rejecting simple takeaways in favor of complexity. The characters are fascinating because of the circumstances, but they're also made more fascinating by how fully realized they are in both writing and performance, which vacillates between a melodrama to high camp comedy. May-December is one of the movies this year that I can't help but continue to think about. Arturo, are you similarly similarly drawn into the world of May-December? Fantastic. It is one of those movies that you come out thinking that one person has the best, easily, you know, greatest performance of the movie, maybe even of the year. <laughs> then you start realizing that there's all these nuances to one of the other characters and how that informs one of the other people in the movie and you just end up playing this whole back and forth hot potato of like okay maybe all of them <laughs> this may be the best ensemble of the year yeah uh, with it being so tight-knit and close i i ended up adoring this movie to the degree that you first and foremost have to come out and say this is playing it as a comedy as well this mm-hmm. is a uh uh, comedy drama or more of a drama comedy um, and it balances both of those well and I know that there's been some pushback for that because of the subject matter so right off the bat for those people who need it because we are not the movie we are the review um, it is not con- condoning this in no. any way shape yeah. or form some people uh, have missed that entirely if you don't get that that I think you're going to really misread the movie because it's in getting into those awkward pockets of a relationship like this that allows the movie to really explore things without it being judgmental from the point of view of the characters and Absolutely. I thought it did it exquisitely well it's yeah so we good. should we should acknowledge that if it's not obvious from the premise, this story is heavily influenced by the real world story of Mary Kay Letourneau, who was a sixth grade okay. teacher that likewise began a relationship with a 12 year old only to have his child Sheesh. and get back together with him after spending some time in jail. And the script, which was written by Sammy Birch, seems to mostly use that true story as like a jumping off point to imagine what their lives might have been like, because there are obviously several many people who have gotten themselves in these like uncomfortable and and rife for for awkward awkwardness situations 
but this is not meant to be a biopic. The script is crackling with these uncomfortable moments and surprising revelations and, and unexpected humor. It's really probably one of my favorite screenplays of the year because of how it dives For into sure. these characters and, as you mentioned, treats them as, like, real people who have empathetic qualities and other qualities that are, are you know, perhaps uh, hateable or, or judgeable. You know, the, these are... Uh, messy, messy people with like, you know, all sorts of uh, interwoven backstories and issues and traumas that that make, you know, explaining them in in simple terms hard to do. Why I took so long to even do the whole intro is just because there it's hard. It's a hard movie to summarize in just a sentence. There's so much going on here. And without people thinking that this is just uh, covering that as. The tabloids, right. you know, they discuss, uh, saw it as being completely scandalous. It is a movie that's also breaking down acting. You know, she's coming from from uh, a studio that's almost like an A24 type because there have been movies that already talked about this. You know, she's watching tapes that look like it, it was like a TV version of a movie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've heard some people think that it was like a, a porn version of it. She's going at it from the indie perspective. She's trying to discuss to, to the people around her what what her process is to understand what a performance is. And I feel like he's almost critiquing acting. So you can go in there knowing that, yeah, there's this very heavy subject matter, but it's almost a movie making fun of the industry and what actors and actresses do totally. just to be able to get into that mode. Totally. It's also the movie of someone who's able to control something, the, the most controlling person who has every single aspect of her life and people who think that they're observing her only to find out that she's actually the one observing them. It's a really good screenplay that that isn't just about you know the act that happened and i don't think it's covering it in a salacious way it's it's like you said crackling it is a very good observation on uh not just the event but the ripples of it and how people decide to cover something like it Totally. There's a very meta quality to it, not just in the fact that it's it's Natalie Portman coming in to play an actress who would take a prestige role like Natalie Portman and do the research, but also just because there was a you know somewhat famous made-for-TV movie that is kind of schlocky and, and whatever oh, right, about the, Mary, okay. Mary Kay Letourneau. And then this is kind of, as you mentioned, the more like prestige uh, way of handling that kind of story. So it is both yeah. like, it is both kind of telling the story, but also telling the story of its own creation in a weird way, not like yeah. literally, but in some sort of reflexive manner that is very fascinating. There's, even, there's meta moments where, you know, she's watching stuff on the TV in terms of, uh, uh, her being in a commercial, and I thought it was a L'Oreal ad, and I'm like, yeah. wait, no, she wasn't L'Oreal. She was in, uh, she was in a different one. I, for, I forget what it is. Yeah, no, uh, but, you, but it, she's doing the kinds of makeup commercials that Natalie that Portman she does in real has life. always done. Yeah, but then I, I felt like it got deeper because the the L'Oreal commercial I thought they were mimicking is actually not what she's in. She's not a Neutrogena. I forget what she, whatever brand yeah. she's in, she got sued by L'Oreal. <laughs> For that campaign. So I'm like, wait, is she being meta and petty in right. the movie? Let's go. <laughs> they say it's a catty movie. That's part yeah, of the marketing. I just absolutely. didn't realize how deep it got into it. Yeah. And I want to talk more about that idea of uh, acting and Hollywood and their take on real life scandals like this when we get into some spoilers. But I do want to talk to you now a little bit more about what you think about the way the film depicts the relationship with between Julianne Moore and Charles Melton's characters, because I thought it was really interesting that they seem to kind of make it clear like that there, there is like a real love there, but it is a yeah. love that was built on top of manipulation and trauma. And it's when yes. they like 
it, it's when they really start to like uncover the different layers mm-hmm. to it because they, they're not just these, you know, people who had this moment. There are people who've built a whole life together around their kids and neighbors and friends and, you know, the way they go about their business and who they even, who they will and won't interact with in their community. It, it, it's, they've created this sort of insulated bubble where they can attempt some version nice of normalcy, right? Yeah. And they got a pretty, pretty cushy bubble. And they, they try to be normal, but like the real world keeps inter interjecting or, or sending them packages of dog shit. You know? Yeah. I have a theory on that too. I thought that they handled it impeccably because yeah. again, it's one of those movies where a lot of people will look at it and be like, I don't know. It seems like it's defending her the whole time. And I'm like, no, it's showing you what a manipulative character would be like. And if you're falling for it, that's not a judgment on the movie. That is just you praising the movie to a degree that you even fell for it too. You <laughs> right. thought they were justifying it at some point. And we're in that era right now. Like I can name so many movies just of this year that are about these relationships where people don't want to see them as love because they're so they're messy and there's trauma and there's clearly abuse there. And, you know, we're not here to talk about the state of <laughs> relationships in the world, but you've seen it from Killers of the Flower Moon, right? This pushback of like, that's not love in a relationship. How could they depict that? But that is the story that Molly went through. And that is a woman, a real-life woman on record who went and said, yes, I did love that man. It is messy. In fiction, it's really interesting to see people really gravitate towards a fictional take in the most recent massive uh, installment to The Hunger Games. Another Mm. one that has a relationship where they love each other, but not really. And because it's fictional and it's YA, people can be like, yeah, that's such a messy relationship. But what happens if you stay there? This is dealing with some really, uh, you know... It's way more sketchy. Exactly. But it's the exact same thing. What happens when you're in a relationship when one person is the one who's steering it, manipulating it, and is taking full control? But even more than that, the movie puts you so into it that it's not just the child, her husband, that's falling for it. It's everybody else around them, including the person there to observe. Yeah, they do this really interesting thing where they kind of depict Julianne more in this sort of state of of youthful arrested development. Like she is a a grown woman who really treats herself like she's a a little girl in in a lot of this movie. And she sees herself that way. So it sort of ends up being this film that illustrates the ways in which we kind of create our own image of ourself, right? And that image of yourself. Easily. Yeah, that image of yourself uh, can affects how you navigate the world. Like if you see mm-hmm. yourself one way, you don't even, you don't see power dynamics the way that they they might really be. Or you don't see, you don't see any kind of relationship for the same way that other people see it if you have this yeah. false uh, projection of yourself. And uh, the movie is also empathetic and curious enough to try and diagnose some of her personal failings without... Uh-huh. You know, uh, but I think I think it's also I think it would be a mistake to think of it as an excuse. It's more just an explanation, right? I, when we get into spoilers, have a comment on that for sure. But right, like you cool. said, she is definitely controlling things. That there, there's there's a line she says where she's like, uh, "Oh, I'm secure. Yeah. Everybody else, it's insecure people who uh, are very dangerous." Yeah. And I thought that Natalie was a standout in the movie. And I come home and I'm transferring my notes, and I go. Why? Why would I doubt? Nat, why would I doubt Julianne Moore in a movie with a director who, when they get together, it's a well-oiled machine at this point. Absolutely, you know? she 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 kills it. 
Yeah. I also thought uh, the fact that uh, Charles Melton obviously is not white, and that's another thing that they are taking from the original Mary Kay Letourneau story, but I think that's also so integral to how this film is portraying this situation. Yeah, it's just adds to all the fascinating elements of it. Um, How do you say it would be a predator? (laughs) You uh, alluded to it before, but like, do you have a favorite performance in this film? Is it kind of just all three of them? Again, when when I start praising somebody's performance over here, uh, I start attributing that to, like, the other scene where they got that from. You know, there, there's a lot of moments where when she's observing her, she's mimicking her. They'll go to the, the, the girls um, where she's trying on the clothes for the graduation and she's putting on different things. And she just notices, you know, because of the mirrors that are there, that she can start sitting like her a little bit and <laughs> laugh like she does and do all these different things. And I thought Natalie did a really good job at impersonating her and trying to mimic her and trying to understand her but then when you rewatch it back and you realize oh no she's just setting you up to kind of like be the look that she wants you to be I thought that was very clever there's a moment and they release the scene where she's giving her speech her monologue uh, that's based off of a letter and she's doing it with like a really big lisp right yeah, and yeah. she's overplaying the lisp and I'm like wait wait did Julianne Moore had a list this whole movie too. And then you see what a fine-tuned performance for a movie would be. Where if she's doing a take where she's overdoing the lisp, mm-hmm. May December would be the fantastic movie where she's downplaying it so much. And I'm like, do you like do you understand the layers to that? Yeah. It's yeah. so good. She's showing the performance of it, right? Oh and it's, my god. Goodness, because like, she's playing an actor who is playing a character who's doing an. It's so well tuned and, and unreal. Perfectly, you you need unreal. like really capable actors to do this. And I think yeah. like Natalie Portman gets to do a lot of really interesting things. But I'm I think it Julianne Moore is really kind of like the the thing that sort of clicks a lot of. Things into place, yeah. And you mentioned that that lisp, like she has this sort of soft upper palate. She, they were talking about this during one of the Q and A's I was listening to. Apparent, uh, and it it just sort of like imbues her character with this really weird yes. energy. They talk about her being naive or not being naive, and that to to hear her say it with this like childlike lisp too. It, it's oh, so you now you're telling so me funny. Too, she could be faking that also, bro. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, wow. It's, it's really, really cool. I was surprised to see, at least according to Gold Derby, that Julianne Moore is not in the top five for supporting actress right now because she's, I mean, certainly one of my favorite performances. They're not of the colleagues. Year. She begins They're, the movie. She ends the movie. I, you could you could argue that, but I think that to order in order to not have them compete, they're putting Julianne in supporting. Um, okay. Yeah, but outside of All Divine right. Joy Randolph, I'm not sure there's a sporting actress performance that I liked more this year. I mean, Emily Blunt's up there, but I, I thought this was excellent. Wait, who else do they have if Julianne Moore is not in the top five? They have two color purple uh, performances, I think. Danielle That's Brooks. Right, that is finally getting buzzed. Yeah, yeah, I yeah we, haven't, we haven't seen that yet. We'll but, be uh, seeing that, I think, next yeah. week. Uh, Natalie Portman in lead is a lot harder to to break the top five, though, with Emma Stone, Lily Gladstone, Carrie Mulligan in Maestro, which we'll be talking about soon, Sandra Huller in Anatomy of a Fall, Margot Robbie, Fantasia Barino, Annette Benning, Greta Lee. A stacked, <gasps> stacked year for Annette lead Benning actress. For Nyad? For Nyad, yes. Stop lying like Nyad, bro. Get that out of here. <laughs> that, they're going to have to make a 10. They're going to have to make a 10. 
there's no there's no other solution. Um, I also I'm worried about our boy Charles Melton, who might end up stealing this movie because between your boy Mark Ruffalo and Poor Things, Robert Downey Jr. and Oppenheimer, Ryan Gosling and Barbie, Robert Dan, Dan, uh, Robert De Niro in Killers of the Flower Moon, that's four that I think are locked, and then it's Charles Willem Dafoe, Coleman Domingo, Dominic Sessa, and Sterling K. Brown. What movies? Uh, Willem Dafoe in uh, Poor Things. Oh, poor things. Okay. Yeah. Common Domingo in... Uh, Color Purple. Dominic Sessa is from Holdovers. And then Sterling K. Brown would be from American Fiction. Dominic Sessa, out of here. <laughs> Sterling K. Brown was good. Uh, Common Domingo. I, I Haven't seen it yet. Really? Over Rustin, I guess. Um, yeah, no. Charles Mountain over overall, all of these, including Willem Dafoe. Easily. See, but is Easily. this category fraud? Because I think you could argue Charles also should be a lead in this movie. Yeah, but if they're not putting what's his name, Julianne? it should be even less. Yeah, yeah. Is May December a con- a contender for your personal top ten of the year? Oh, one hundred percent. I gave it such a high rating because I don't think that I'm going to find a better ensemble of actors playing off of each other in such an impeccable script like this. Like, it's a four and a half movie, but don't get it wrong. Like, I'm not going to be like, hey, Saturday night with the boys, let's throw on May December. It's not that type of movie. Yeah. It's an impeccably made like. It's so, so well-crafted film about the reactions that people have to each other when they think they're observing something for, for the betterment of uh, telling a story or being able to be honest or true and not realizing that in that honesty lies so many lies. You know, you have Natalie Portman seeking out to embody this while lying to the people around her to get what she needs, right? The way that she also, to a degree, abuses the uh, abuses Charles' character in order yeah. to be able to get the information well, that I she wants. I want to talk about that. There's a conversation when she goes to visit the school where she's telling the kids about acting. And, and I love how it's played off because the kid tries to be all snarky, tells them about the sex scenes. The way she breaks down sex scenes, it ruined the kid's whole perspective of what he's seeing <laughs> when he's getting turned on from whatever, you know, yeah. moments that he's paused on screen. But the way that she describes that. At, at, at first, also makes fun of A24. We're in these very indie sets, very few people. You see the indie set at the end of the movie, and it's just a, a crap ton of crew, all men. But she's describing how, at a certain point, you just have to go with these types of scenes. You are you are just so into it that you're acting, you're playing. Do I like them? Okay, mm-hmm. I'm fully in there. And then you keep going through this movie, and you see her go through the auditions of these kids... And you get this meta-ness of, like, you were also young when they were going through you. And you have this lady literally go, I don't know about these kids that we have here. They're cute, but they don't have the sexiness label. Mm -hmm. And as disgusting as that is, I'm hearing her from her early days doing what? Leon the Professional? Yep. Yep. Probably be auditioned and having, having to hear that from people. Yeah, and then absolutely. it leads to this idea of like if she's putting herself, if she describes sex scenes with adults as being like at a certain point, you just have to, you're in that moment. What are you filming here? You're filming a movie where you're saying that when you film that scene with the, the I forget the character's Talent. name, but who, yeah. who Charles plays, who would be when he's younger. I don't know. He's, he's almost like critiquing acting. He's almost talking about like, you need to be in a sick place to embody these yeah. things. All right. We're, we'll a get a little more into that in a second. I, I will mention, I think May, December, when I when credits rolled, I wasn't sure if it's something that's going to be in my top 10 of the year. But as I mentioned at the top, I just can't stop thinking about this movie. There's just so much to pull apart and dig into and so many scenes that I think about and, and just think like how funny or specific and weird it all is. So it is it's it's a movie that's growing and like 
I think it's going to put it in my top 10 of the year, but it's also one of those movies that I wouldn't be surprised five years from now. People are like, how did people not say that this was the best of the year? 100%. How did people not well, nominate this for five Oscars? Netflix, Oscar right. It's a Netflix, Netflix And Netflix is in real movies, right? Because they're not in the theaters. Um, I don't know. I think that's another reason why I went at A24. Because I think people <laughs> confuse that as like, those movies would, would, would sink if it didn't have that label with it. Yeah. So... Before we dive into spoilers, just a quick reminder that if you're enjoying this review on YouTube, like the video, leave us a comment, maybe subscribe to our channel. If you're listening to this uh, podcast, you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, whatever you use, and you can also leave us a five-star review there too. Support the show for as little as $1 a month by becoming a member of our Patreon at patreon.com slash intercutpod to help ensure we can keep doing reviews, deep dives, movie brackets, film festival Appreciate coverage, and our best movies of the year. Shout out to our awesome patrons who for their support on the show so far. All right, let's talk about spoilers. That's your spoiler warning because uh, this film starts to get messier when it begins to unpack that Natalie Portman character because it's obvious from the start that Moore and Melton have issues given the, the history of that relationship. But the lengths to which Natalie Portman's character goes to insert themselves in, to insert herself into their lives is parasitic. And it yes. feels like this film's way of articulating what Hollywood entertainment about real people, what yes. Hollywood entertainment about real people does to the lives of real people, right? Like she yeah. is able to use uh, her, she's able to start seducing Charles Melton's character. And she starts using that seduction as a way of gauging whether or not she's properly embodied her own character. And once he's fallen... And once he's fallen in love with her, she knows she's ready to make the film. So she leaves. She's done with them. She doesn't need the town. She doesn't need those people. And and she's come in, blown up their lives and left the way that I'm sure a lot of people feel. A lot of actors do. uh, And a lot of productions do, too, to regular people. To regular people, to regular towns. He has a killer line when he says that this isn't a story. It's my life. Exactly, yeah. But to her, her, it's a story. It begins and ends with her involvement in this film role. No, yeah, I, I thought that that part of it was was fascinating because you really do see like all the ins and outs of her. You know, she's talking to the uh, director and uh, already flirting with him because the director's spouse isn't going to be there for when they're filming, so they have a lot of time alone. She has this nasty line where um, she's like, "I need more time. I'm almost about to crack it," and he goes, "No, because we're running over budget." And do you remember? She says, uh, "Well, just tell the crew they're not going to get sweaters. They can get <laughs> mugs. Cut the budget." Yeah, she's so narcissistic and so manipulative too. But like you, you don't like see that at first through because she's just sort of like interprocess or whatever, right? Interprocess, yes. I just didn't know everything. (laughs) I thought it was was so good, and and Portman just kind of does it very fearlessly, like -hmm. without a hint of like shame in her character. Um, Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ultimately, what feels like it's going to be this heavyweight bout between two of our living best actresses, though, uh, gets upended, as we mentioned, by an incredible Charles Melton performance as his character begins to finally unpack what's happened to him because he's 36 years old, but is becoming an empty nester. His life has in some ways only just begun. And in other ways, it feels like he's ending. And I, I just thought that was such a like profound exploration of this character who can't help but feel conflicted, right? Like he yeah. he's 
appears uh, with people who are two decades his senior and he's seeing like the last vestiges of his youth slip away. As a dude mm. in my 30s, I can attest that you really start to feel youth slip away from you. And I don't know, I just was really moved by uh, by his whole journey, you know? Like it, I, I thought it was fascinating that scene where he goes up onto the roof and smokes weed for the first time with his son. With his kid? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and to parallel that earlier on, they talk about how... He had to, like, help raise his sisters because his mom wasn't there. Father was always working. And when he goes to go chill with his dad, he takes the cigarette and, like, hits it. So that, like, even his dad looks at him like, you have never grown up. You don't know how to smoke cigarettes. Yeah. They even cut to all those cigarettes that the dad has smoked. He goes, like, you are still a child. Like, you yeah. are about to have two kids graduate. You already have one in college. You never grew up, my mom boy. And yeah, no, it's fascinating. The the, the roof scene also has one of my favorite lines when he almost falls. Because he, he does x-rays for a living. And he's like, imagine yeah. if I had to do my own x-rays. <laughs> <laughs> he's good, dude. People downplay really this good. man. And they're embarrassing themselves online by going, uh, what a revelation. I mean, I wasn't he's watching CW there. shows, man. I didn't know, I didn't know was- shit about him. He's been in other movies. He's been in these tiny roles. I, I liked him in the 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 Sun is Always a Star one. It was a a movie that looked impeccable. It came out during the pandemic though, so like people toss it to the side. But it's like he just hasn't been ha- hasn't had the opportunity to have a role like this, right? Absolutely. But the performance would have always still been there. And I think that's what people forget is that you have a lot of these actors who come from these shows. Jacob Elordi was dismissed because of uh, Kissing Booth, right? Look how yeah. we're talking about the boy as well. So Have I think he's just going year. down that path. So it, it, it's an incredible uh, script that was given to him, and he killed it, especially in that sequence when he's just acting like a child. After he gets played by Natalie Portman, who takes him home to be able to, you know, just like his sister has asthma. I have asthma too, and I need help with my nebulizer. Slick. She's so clever. The moment she gets something... She pounces on it, mm-hmm. baits him. They come in. My, my man lasted like three seconds, but it, it, it allows her to <laughs> do that sick too? thing. <laughs> it allows her to do that thing where she's able to read the letter right after the act mm-hmm. just to be in that headspace. And that leads to him coming home because he's kind of, after all of their talks, all of their walks, in his mind, he's always said, nah, this is like, this is me. This is a, a love. Don't people understand that if we lasted this long, it must mean something? At, th- at this point, they said she was 36 also. So yeah. they're the same age. Yeah. But he's also now the same age at 36 years old that he- she was when she abused him. Mm-hmm. So he's seeing at that point how undeveloped he is with kids who would have been almost twice his age leaving to school and how sick the scenario actually was. But he's never able to confront her because there's a moment when he was walking with Natalie Portman on the beach trying to defend, I don't see why people don't just leave us alone. And he comes home to hear her crying. And he already knows this lady yells at him for the amount of beers. She counts his beers when they're talking outside. The lights go on in the bedroom because he needs to be inside. And he walks up there in that one moment because this lady's crying that an order got canceled. And I thought because, oh, they're done with her. They found out. They don't want to be associated with her. It's because the neighbor has to go for an emergency because her sibling is, like, dying. <laughs> but she can't even, like, consider that. She's just thinking she's, about it selfishly. Yeah. yeah. She's having a breakdown and just him entering going, oh, I have to deal with this again. You see who's in control there. She throws tantrums to always keep him in line. So when he's finally in that, that last bedroom scene with her. Oh, I forgot another one. Go wash yourself. You smell like smoke. Such an awkward scene. 
But yeah. it leads to that bedroom scene where he's he's like, dude, he killed that performance. He is yeah. shaking. He is trembling. He's not talking he, to his spouse. He's talking to a parent. He's trying to tell her if it's okay that we can maybe do something. But he doesn't want to say the word. He mm-hmm. wants to divorce her, and he's wondering now that we don't have to worry about the kids. Am I allowed to do this? He's she forced to somehow. Like fiddle. She's forced to. He's forced to somehow be the more mature person while still being the traumatized child simultaneously. Insane. And like navigating that in terms of performance is really, really incredible work. And and I think you know uh, for a movie to set its characters up in a way where you can get scenes like that is really special. And that's why it's so wonderful that like they are jumping into these kind of like to perhaps uncomfortable waters because you get these moments uh, of just incredible incredibly profound uh revelations or or, or realizations or uh yeah. inc- incredible scenes and yeah it's just the way that the journey you go on through these with these characters is really really incredible uh, it's also just like an, as you're alluding to, an incredible illustration of how like non-physical abuse works in in abusive relationships. It's physical, the, that, but I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. not well, a violent way, but in a mental yes, way. Exactly the yeah. the the manipulative the manipulative mm-hmm. qualities of those types of relationships. Mm-hmm. And also, um, he has my favorite scene in the movie. At the end, he's there's this through line where he's been texting a Facebook group friend because they both like butterflies. The butterfly group, yeah. They met at a pet shop. She's the one who hired him at a pet shop. She also took advantage of a freaking hobby that he had. He mm-hmm. loves these animals. That's why he was there. Only to get seduced in the in the, the, the stock room all the way in the back. He is growing these monarch eggs because he really wants to take care of them because they can't take care of themselves. And he's texting this other person who he can actually have a relationship with through text that kind of goes by the wayside when he kind of wants to meet up to go to an exhibit, something that, you know, his wife never wants to do. But my favorite scene in the movie is after he teaches Natalie Portman's character, you know, how to take care of these and that they're eventually going to hatch. Once he's had that conversation on graduation day, one of them hatches and he lets he butterfreeze it. He lets that thing go. It spreads its wings and leaves. And then his daughter comes down in her gown for graduation, who he's going to have to let go as well. Yeah. And then he's also like, self, it's a lock. It's a lock. Number five, supporting performance. Number five, easily. Easily. Uh, he better get in there. I would be pretty devastated if he doesn't. And, so and this beautiful. movie in general, like, I just hope uh, it's not too quiet, not too weird, not too Netflixy or whatever it is to to be overlooked in the end it's of the year race. Because it's, yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. Uh, it'll be on Netflix by the time we post this video, or at least the day after we post this video. So uh, hopefully you get a chance to catch up with it as well and let us know your thoughts. Uh, any final things you want to share about May, December? Is this yeah. your new favorite Todd Haynes movie? Um, it, it's for me, it is right now. Sure. Yeah, yeah, it, it's pretty high up there because uh, let me make it a little better for you. I think that what's her name was manipulating the entire situation. That I think she timed the package at the beginning to be sent. They hadn't gotten one in a while. She oh, yeah. wanted to make sure that that package came in. There you so go. That she saw it. She, that package was already the, out there. People were coming to visit. Natalie Portman sent the dog shit. No, 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 no. Oh, she brought it. Julianne, oh, Julianne Moore. Moore sent the dog shit. You're right. Oh, okay. Okay. I see that. The entire time she's not being observed. She knows they're making True. a movie for her. She's manipulating the actress to play her the way she wants to be seen. <laughs> True, true. Even though she she says like, "Oh, the movie ha- the movie happens between ninety two and ninety nine. Why do you need to know anything after that?" But yeah, she still she doesn't bring want her to in. know that stuff. Still bringing there's her in. Moment, yeah, 
there's a moment in the dinner scene later on where she says, uh, uh, yeah, did you get her a scale? What the daughter goes, did you get her a scale? Like you got me a scale. And she goes, I, everybody gets that. And, and before moving on, because Natalie Portman's sitting there, she retracts her story to be like, well, my mother gave me a scale too. I think that's a lie. I think she's trying to excuse herself. Mm. When she gets the big reveal of what you were saying, that it's not an excuse, but you kind of understand why she maybe is the way she is. Uh, she had an, an, another son, an older son, who had to deal with this whole fallout of his mom when he was in middle yeah. school. We, yeah, um, we barely touched on the, the older son character, who's also fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of ruined his life completely because it happened like, what, days before his birthday? He yeah. And, reportedly... and he was in the same grade? <laughs> yeah. He crazy stuff he reportedly saw her diary that said that she was abused by her brothers Mm -hmm. brothers who she has a good relationship with because they play for the twins remember they're on the pitching staff then at the end it turns out oh i know he told you that but you know it's not whatever he says we talk every day Mm -hmm. i think she manipulated her son into thinking that that was the reason why his mom did what she did that may not even be a thing that happened it's, it's I think possible. all of that is there. Oh, I think it's more than possible. I think yeah. she's manipulating the whole thing because there is no excuse for who she is. She is just a monster. And that's why Julianne Moore killed the performance, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I take that scene a different way, but like it's, to, you know, th- that's part of what is there. Like it's all the all the sort of unclear nature of these characters lets you kind of interpret and, and and view like their actions in all these different lenses. And I, it speaks to how strong the movie really is. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. why at the end, when they're at the graduation, she tells her um, the, about the, I'm very secure. I know how yeah. it goes. She shakes her up at the end. Cause she realizes everything that you've been telling me hasn't been truth. You've been manipulating me just like you've been manipulating the kid the entire time. Impeccable performance. Yeah. All right, well, I think that's about all for our review of May, December, but you can catch more from me by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd, at Zshevich, that's Z-S-H-E-V is in victim, I-C-H, and check out my YouTube or TikTok <laughs> channels, at Multiplex Show. Art, where can people find more from you? You can find me over at LME Movies uh, on all social medias, Letterbox, over here on YouTube.com uh, at Let Me Explain, where we've been doing a bunch of breakdowns. Uh, I definitely, when this movie comes out, want to break it down even more. It's produced by Will Ferrell, bro. Like, for people <laughs> saying, I don't say oh, it's a comedy, this, yeah, I mean, it's, he did Succession. He, he is a really good producer if you really look at his producing credits. Uh, you had mentioned uh, Sammy Birch. Yeah. In, in, oh, in the I totally wanted to mention well, I got you, uh, Sammy Birch, the writer, has a crazy IMDb. I don't know if you uh, scrolled it at all. Uh, this is her first like big feature film writing credit, I believe, but she's also got mm-hmm. a story credit on the uh, recently in the news Coyote versus Acme movie. But oh. if you look at her credits, it's predominantly as a casting director. She's got like over yeah. 50 direct uh, credits in casting. I told you I was just doing my Hunger Games video. I was wondering why she looked familiar because she's the casting director who comes out in those saying, I've been waiting to cast this person until Mockingjay. I was like, oh, she does look a little familiar. Interesting. Fascinating. But yeah, uh, we're breaking all these movies down every week here on the Intercut Podcast. And you can catch more episodes of the Intercut Podcast on uh, iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, whatever podcatcher you use. I like Overcast. And you can catch us on YouTube.com slash IntercutPod where you can catch our satisfied faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of the Intercut Weekend Must Watch streaming on our YouTube channel every Monday. And please, Hiccup, leave us a comment, like the video, and consider heading over to iTunes to give us the much-requested five-star review. Uh, Shout-out to our listeners in Denmark for putting us on the TV and film podcast charts out there. 
Uh, you get updates throughout the week across our social media channels at Intercut Pod. That's also where you can find our Patreon. And you can also find a link to our Discord in the description of this episode. Those are the best places to get updates throughout the week from me, from Art, from all the guests that we feature here on Intercut, particularly that Patreon where I'm now doing weekly updates about the podcast. So if you want to know what movies we're covering, what stuff is coming up, definitely hit us up on Patreon. You can even follow us for free on Patreon now. But Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, insecure people are very dangerous, aren't they? <laughs>